Welcome to the Covenant Life Center podcast. We're so thankful that you chose to listen to this message. To get more connected with us, you can look us up on all social media at CLC Victoria and download our app. Now, here's this week's message. Ah, that, I heard that little, those keys running, bro. Man. Went from Pastor Bobby to Bishop Bobby. Real quick. Like that, girl. I can go quick like that. This is what we're going to do. Grab your Bibles. Let's get into the Word of God. I'm meddling too much. I, I do want to tell you this, that after church today, the kids, uh, the children's department is going to have a meeting. Just please stay standing. Just please stay standing. Let's stand for the Word of God. Let's give God's Word some honor. Grab your Bibles. Go ahead. Thank you for standing. Thank you. Uh, grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Luke chapter 5. While you're doing that, I'm just going to tell you uh, Luke chapter 5, verse 23. We're going to start there. Covenant Kids is having a meeting after church about trunk or treat. Now, for those of you who don't celebrate Halloween, we, we don't really celebrate Halloween. We create an alternative. We believe in creating alternatives for our children to have a godly environment. And they're going to do a lot of great things. They're going to be serving food. They're going to have moonwalks and slides. And, and the field out there is going to have trunks. And if you would like to donate your trunk and decorate it to give some candy out to our children, then please do. And we also like to thank the food bank of the Golden Crescent for blessing Covenant Life Center with snacks, chips, and candies. Let's give them a round of applause. They've been so good to us. They've become some of our dearest friends, and we love and appreciate them. And all the staff, Miss Amy Chavez and Elizabeth and Miss Robin. So we love all of them. But if you like to do something this Halloween that's going to be good, come and volunteer at Covenant Life. Uh, center and after church go to the covenant kids and they're going to have a meeting over there so turn to your neighbor and tell them don't forget about the meeting if you want to do something good for the kids luke chapter five we're into the series called stranger things how many of you have noticed there's been a lot of strange things going on in the in our nation right now strange things going on crazy things but but god is good and, and god is uh, doing greater things so this, this morning, we're, let's talk about this, and let's talk about some things I feel like are relevant. God spoke to me and shifted the message from this morning to already shifted it when people were coming in through the door, and I felt a, a specific message just for you. Same message, just a different delivery. Luke chapter 5, verse 23, the Bible says this, which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you, or to say, rise up and walk? How many of you know this portion of scripture that's talking about Jesus praying for the lame man? They were upset with him because he walked up to a lame man and he said, your sins are forgiven you. And so the Pharisees and Sadducees, the religious people of his world, they were really upset and they said, you know, you can't go around forgiving people. That's not your job. That's God's job. And so he replies to them and he starts telling them what's is easier. But he goes on further and he says, but that you may know that the Son of Man had power. Someone say power. power. Had power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Arise and get out off of that thing you've been dependent on all your life. Get off of that place of complacency. Get out of your comfort zone. 
and go home and start living. Start living. And immediately, verse 25, he rose up before them, took up what he had been lying on, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they all glorified God and were filled with fear. Now, this isn't the kind of fear that makes you tremble and afraid of someone. This is the kind of fear that brings reverence and just respect and honor. So they started to be in awe with the fear of God in their life, saying, I quote, we have seen strange things today. We have seen some strange things today. What Jesus called normal, they called strange. I almost feel like today in the, in the church world, how many of you know that not every church believes that God still performs miracles? It, but they believe and have strong faith in the saving grace of God, and that's, that's a miracle within itself, right? I really do believe that the greatest miracle is to see God save a life. It is. Someone asked me one time, what's the, what's the greatest miracle you've ever seen? And I've had to reply and tell them, the power of God changed a life. To take someone who was addicted to drugs and make them addicted to Jesus. Best miracle. But there are some things that God wants to do in the church. And there are some things that hell would love to do to stop it. Subtitle of today's message is going to be talking about why are the gifts strange and why can't they be normal? And if you have a gift, and I know you do, a surprise to you, let me just simply tell you, everyone in this building has gifts in your life, not one, but many gifts that God has placed in you when you were saved. Many of you have been saved by his grace, filled with his spirit, and equipped to do something for him. We're going to talk about how to see those things done and what it takes to see God move. How many of you want to see God move in your life? How many of you want to see the gifts in your life that God has given you begin to flow out of you? Some of you don't even know what gifts you've got. Number one, you've got the gift of life and you've got Jesus, and that's better than any other definition I can give you. Jesus does all the work, doesn't he? Come on, ask him right now. Lord, do the work in my life. Come on, tell him, Lord Jesus, bless this service. God bless this message. God touch Pastor Bobby. Let him preach quick. Let him preach good. Let him preach so a child can understand it. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated here this Sunday morning. It is always good to be with you. It's so good that you've chosen this church to give your heart to God, and we're so thankful for that. For all of our first-time guests that are here, um, just to kind of shake hands with you, our priority here is not what you have on, but what you put on before you come, meaning more than your apparel, more than your nice suits and ties. We so appreciate all of you that have that style, but we... We try to really convey this message before you even step in. It's more important to have your praise and your worship and a good attitude on. And come with expectancy more than anything else. I grew up wearing shirts and ties and suits, and, and I couldn't afford that. And I had to go to good. How many of you go secondhand shopping? 
I ain't ashamed of it. I still go into Goodwill, resale shops, whatever, you name it. I'm not ashamed. And I may have the money to go into Dillard's or some other place to go shopping, but it's all about worship. It's all about worship. So you look nice today. But if you come into this house and you didn't feel like you had all the proper attire, we're here to simply tell you that's okay. Put on your praise and put on your worship, and God's going to meet you here. The most important thing is an attitude. That's all I'm saying. The most important thing is an attitude. So the question is, why are the gifts so strange to us still in the church? Strange things happen in the world right now. Strange things. Um, transfer of identity from one culture to the next. Everyone's going with the ebb and flow of what's transpiring in the world to what they've defined what's right and normal. And here we are as the church watching life pass us by and in our comfort zones. And we don't mean to adopt this mentality and this thought process, but the truth is, as long as we're saved, everything's okay. It is. That's how we think sometimes. As long as things are going good in my life, then that's all that matters. We become so uh, focused on us at times where if the world is in trouble, as long as my house is okay, there's no urgency to pray. That's not a, this, this is just human nature. It's just human nature for us to, to not be motivated for someone else's um, trouble, misfortune. But when it happens to us, you pray like there's no tomorrow, and you pray and let those tongues fly like a Comanche Indian. You start to shout out the name of the Lord, and some of you even probably get your praise on and jump in your house. Ask God to let it pour down, Lord. Let the thunder, God, let be released, and let, and let the lightning strike, God. Strike my enemies. Let the Lord arise, and let my enemies be scattered, God. And when trouble hits our home, we start to hit the, hit the ground, and we, start to, we know what to do. We know how to pray. I know that during Harvey, when, you know, thank God we're all recuperating from that now. And aren't, aren't you thankful that God is getting us through that season? I know we're not completely out of it, but I know that we're not in it like we used to be, and we thank God for that. But I know most of you prayed like you've never prayed before in your life, especially if you stayed in Victoria. I was on the phone with some of you, and, I, and we prayed together, and, and we were there together. And we were asking, we weren't asking just for God to just protect us. We were asking God, turn that storm around. Make my house invisible. Jesus, build a, build a wall, Lord, around, build a hedge of protection around my house. I know what some of you prayed. Lord, we put the angels right there, God, and let them stretch out their hands. And we want God to do miracles, and we want God to do great things in our life. But when they do happen, we're kind of like, man, that's... God answered my prayer. How many of you had ever had God answer your prayer? To the place where you felt like you had to share it with somebody. Because you knew that God was able to, but when he did it, it was like, <laughs> wow. God heard my prayer. The Lord does love me. There is a God, and, and, and I'm going to tell everybody about it. 
If God ever answers your prayer, the next thing you're going to do is testify. You need some kind of validation. You know, everyone thought you were saved. They didn't know if you were saved for sure. But now that you got validation in your life, you got to shout it on the mountaintops, right? My God is good. He answered my prayer. Listen to what the Lord has done for me. You know, we always look for that expectancy of God moving and validation in our life. And, and when God starts to, to move, it's because we invoked it through prayer. We invoked it. Or we, we began to seek God because we needed help. It is easy to ask God for help sometimes for ourselves. And it's very hard to try to convey or intercede for somebody that's in the same kind of trouble we are in and be passionate about it. Because for us and our family, we'll stay there all day long if we've got to. How many of you have ever said this before? Lord, I'm just going to fast. I'm going to go on a three-day fast, and I'm going to pray till my tongue gets cramped. It's a muscle. I'm going to pray until I can't pray no more. And before you could ever start that, it's like God saw your heart, and it's like he answered your prayer right before you did that. And then you thought to yourself, well, praise God, I ain't got to fast and pray no more. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking to some of you. You're supposed to do it and follow through, son. Lord, if you just save me from this tragedy, God. God, if you get me out of this speeding ticket, Lord, I'm going to be at church on Sunday. And before you can finish that prayer, he says, I'm giving you a warning. Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You forget all about your promise. There are times, urgencies, that, that sense of urgency always steps into our lives when it's ourselves. But I found what God really wants to do is have a sense of urgency for other people. This is where you find the secret of being effective in ministry. Now, number one, everyone has a ministry. Your ministry may be different. You may not have a pulpit ministry. You're probably not called to the same kind of ministry I am, and I'm probably not called to the same one that you're called to, but you have a ministry. Everyone is a minister. And number one, your greatest ministry is ministering to God. If you can minister to God well in private, you'll have a successful public ministry. And that ministry really means, uh, the key word in ministry really comes in the first four letters of that word, many. Less of me, more of him. Ministry, it's a small thing to a big God. It's when we decrease, he increases, and we begin to serve and release ourselves. It's having a heart for other people. It's having that, that heartbeat, but it's hard, folks. It's hard. There are very few people that have that kind of love in their life where they can hear the story of somebody else and immediately put themselves in their shoes and feel that heartbeat for them and go into prayer for them or reach out to them. The unique thing about Jesus when he was walking in this world was is that he had the heart of the Father, and the Father knew the heart of the people. He was able to detect, to discern, to see, to know, to understand everything everyone was going through. God is the only one who knows the hearts of humanity. He is the only one that even knows us more and a lot better than we know ourselves. God is the only one. But here's what happens. 
What happens in this world is, is that we walk around and, and we become oblivious to things that God is feeling from others. And, and we become so numb because we have our own problems. We have our own situations. We have the things that are going on in our world. And, and then we're waiting for someone to notice our problems and to help us through our situations and, and to go through that. And then it becomes centrifugal on, on just what's going on with us. But here's, here's the thing. If you will have a heart for God, and if you will be tender to his presence and be sensitive enough to know what his needs are. And, and here's the thing. We think God doesn't have needs, but the truth is God has needs as long as he loves people. There are so many needs Sometimes I'll get up in the morning and I'll ask God, Lord, what are your needs today? And most of the time, he'll lead me to somebody else's need. Not his directly, but somebody else's because it's tied to him. Because he loves them. Jesus was so effective in this world. is because he knew the love of God that came through the Father. And he was able to have something called compassion. Compassion, by definition for me, and to make it simple for you, is simply love and action. Love in action. Compassion is, is love when it moves and it can see and feel and have sympathy on somebody else. And not judge them based on their character. Not willing to I have a ringing up here, guys. Not, not worried about whether or not they're able to pay you back. In fact, in the scripture, the Bible says it's better for you just to lend and not ask in return. Even Don't even add an interest on that. God wants you just to be a cheerful giver. When I help you or you help somebody, we, we got to do it according to the scripture without strings attached. And then we do some things because we simply love God. But when the love of God grabs a hold of you and he starts changing your life, sometimes you start to love people at a different degree and you can't explain why you feel drawn to help them or you feel drawn to have compassion for them or you feel for them. Sometimes it's just the assignment God's given you, the assignment that's in your life has to do with people, not things. The reason you're on the job that you're, at, that you're at, and how many of you believe that God gave you that job? It's because there are assignments there. There are people there. There are things that God wants you to pray about, and there's a reason why God took his child, one of his children, put them in the middle of a, of a, of a job, that had no godly influence to see things change, to be sensitive enough to his presence. Jesus was so effective when he walked into this world, and he was so, he, he walked in and turned the world upside down. He walked past religion in front of their face. He would walk up to people, he would forgive them, he would heal them. He did it sometimes on the Sabbath day, total, totally violating their religious uh, uh, theology, totally violating the law on the Sabbath. He would heal, and the religious people said, you're not supposed to do that. That's wrong. They threw their flags. <laughs> wrong, foul, no good. They were mad. But what they didn't know was God was no respect of a holiday or a day. God 
It was all about the people. That was the assignment. It is hard to get you to your assignment without the love of God. What the people recognized as something strange and said to themselves, there are some strange things going on today, which really should be interpreted as God is doing a work in this place here today. And when God does a work, I have to be honest with you, not everyone's going to think it's good. Not everyone is going to agree with you and shout and give God praise. When you do a good thing, not everyone's going to clap their hands for you and say, wonderful job, hallelujah, praise the Lord. You did good today. When you stand up for what's right, they're probably going to think you're wrong. It's the generation we're living in. It's the, it's, it's, it's the culture. And when God begins to move, they call it strange. No different than the days of Jesus. Because it violates every principle. It violates every law of physics and science. And grab, God defies science, first of all. Science just kind of helps us identify and kind of dissect what God has created. But the truth is, is that it takes more than intellectual thinking to simply understand God. It takes an experience to really embrace Him. An experience. He bypasses your intellect. He bypasses your reason. He bypasses all of your formulas and your equations and, and your theories. And He goes straight to the heart of the matter and begins to deal with humanity by something called the love of God. By something called the love of God. Love. Who can explain it? Who can, who can fathom it? I don't know why Jesus, I mean, the Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Who, who finds joy in enduring a crucifixion? And then he's hung on the cross, and love looks down, because love was on the cross, right? And love looks down and says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Love was speaking through him. And then love says, the cross, is. there's more than that. I have to go to the grave. So love went to the grave. And love came out of the grave. And love went and descended down to the lower parts of the earth. And love came out of hell. And love went up to heaven. And love began to descend down to humanity. And now you and I are here. Now you and I are here because of love, because he was driven by something greater. And I have to convey to you, if you want to see God work in your life, you have to, number one, you have to fall in love with him. You have to fall in love with him. Point number one, turn to somebody and tell them, fall in love with Jesus. Ha <laughs> ha. Falling in love with Jesus will result in trusting Jesus. Trusting Jesus will lead you to depending on Jesus. And it all begins by going to him first and saying no to substitutes and saying yes to the real thing. I would repeat myself, but that was a lot. <laughs> Choosing God in small things will lead to developing a love for God in all things. Just by the simple choices, like saying to yourself, today, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Today, God, I'm going to put you first. Today, I'm going to praise you all the day long.
Today, I'm going to make sure that I give you the glory and give you the credit for every good thing in my life. Today, dear God, I'm not going to take my achievements and my, 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 my goals, and I'm not going to say to myself, boy, self, you did good today. Today, Lord, I'm going to say thank you, Jesus, for every good thing in my life. Small choices, a transfer in thinking, a decision you have to make, something that you consciously begin to choose to do, consciously saying to yourself, today I'm going to give God the glory. That's kind of church jargon. What does that mean? Well, today I'm going to give God credit. Today I'm going to put all the good things on him. Every good and every, is that Bible? Yeah, it is. Every good and every perfect gift comes from above, from the Father of lights. And who there is no variable initial shadow or turning, I'm going to give him all the credit. So trusting in him and developing a trusting relationship goes and ties into seeing him, meeting him, talking to him, getting to know him, getting to know him. But what this puts, this, this is the scripture that I feel like puts everything in proper perspective. When we understand this, that one of these days, all that you see and all that you have and all that you wear and all that you possess is all going to be gone. It is all going to be gone. Let me read you something. John begins to relay this thought to us, and he begins to tell us this in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 15. You can turn with me in your Bibles, or you can watch it here on the screen. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15. If you can change it there, guys, go ahead and change it there, please. It says, do not love. Do not, and by the way, we're having difficulties with our screens and media today, so if they don't change it, that's okay. We're just having problems. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You see, God's a jealous God, right? We don't like talking about that sometimes because we just want to see the good side of God. Well, that is a good side. That is a good side. Husbands, when you talk to another lady or you have a long conversation with someone or you become friends with somebody else, it should, just be honest with you, I'm going to just tell you, it should make your wife a little jealous. Just saying. Not in a bad way. Wives, if you go out talking and you have a friend, first of all, I'm getting off track here. I don't know why I'm saying this, but I'm going to be obedient to what I feel the Holy Ghost is telling me. I don't know who this is for, but wife, when you have a guy friend, and you give him more attention than you give your husband, she should and have the right to be jealous. Where did we get that nature? You got it from God. It can be healthy. When spending time with God, he loves those moments, but when we start spending time with other things, they become idols, right? And then I believe God gets a little provoked and jealous. The writer begins to write about this in the book of, book of of Jude, that the, the spirit in us lusted to envy. Or in other words, the spirit of God looks at the things we give our attention to and wants to be that thing. Whoever that was for, that was free. You can give me an offering after church. I'm good with that. It's Pastor Appreciation Month, so got empty pockets this morning just saying. I'm messing with you. The, I'm not going back to that church. He's all about the money. 
Really? Anyways. I believe we have an inherited nature with God, for God, when it comes to jealousy and God wanting to spend time with his people. I really do believe that God desires to look in, uh, he desires to spend more time with us as he looks into our lives. I really do believe that. Listen, he, he is our husband, folks. He is, he is the bride. We are, you know, he, he, we are the bride. He is the bridegroom, Right? God doesn't want us flirting with the world. I mean, are you, being, are you serious? God doesn't want us flirting with the world, and God doesn't want a part-time date with us, especially a blind date. I mean, God, <laughs> some people don't even know anything about Jesus. They just know he's at the church house, and that's it. I don't go on blind dates with God. I know why I follow him. I know why I'm in love with him. He forgave me. He, he gave me grace, and he... He healed me in my soul, and I know why I'm, I'm not dating God, because dates just happen once in a while, but I'm married to him. I am married to him. Let me go a little bit further with you. He is my lover. He is my lover, okay? And I know that sounds kind of ironic and, and kind of strange to hear this in this generation, but remember Jesus said in the heavens, in the spirit world, there is neither male nor female. We are all spirit. Spirit. So in my spirit, man, I belong to him. He's the only one that can fill my soul and touch my life and make me feel good. Nobody can do me like Jesus can. Nobody can touch me like Jesus touches me. You don't know like I know what the Lord has done for me. I'm telling you that nobody, ain't nobody do me like Jesus Ain't nobody can do me like the Lord. I know it. I know. I know it. I know it. I know it. I know, girl. Hold on now. Got to stay white. It's brown. Man. Hmm. See, I'm in love with him because he touched me. Ah. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And now... gone something happened and now i know he touched me and made me whole now you see that's why i do what i do because he made a connection with me when he touched me and my heart became receptive and the transformation took place in my life and the God that's everywhere now has an insight uh, into my life. But now because of that, in the relationship, now I have insight into his. And now I can feel hurt where he feels hurt. Now I can see needs where he has needs. Now I can be more relevant because there are some things I have been through, not by accident, but by divine purpose from God. The reason why some of us go through problems is simply because God wanted us to help solve some problems. So 
The way you begin to see things transpire is around you is by the love of God that comes through a relationship. And when you have love, you're not driven by the things of this world. You're not driven by recognition. You're not in it for a title. You're not in it to be recognized. You're in it because you love him. You're in it because he forgave you. It's love that drives you. It's love that drives you, folks. Love will do some crazy things in your life. Love will do some crazy things in your life. You know, just a little, a little spark would be okay, but love is like a fire. And it does some things to you, and it causes you to do things for God. And listen, look at what it did for Jesus because of the love he had for his Father to do the will of God. He endured the cross, and he wasn't looking at everything that was temporary. He had insight into the future. He knew that he was going to spend eternity with his Father, and he had a better ending than he had a beginning. That's why we do what we do. But number two, and point number two is this. God moves through love. Point number two, guys, change the screen. Thank you so much. I had to get a little whip. It's all right. God moves through love. God moves through love. You ever wondered why, now you're saved, right? Now that you're saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost. Now that you're saved, now that God has got you. Or does God got you? Some of us got God, but does God got you? There's a big difference there, just saying. I don't know why I'm getting old school today, but I got to tell you, sometimes it's good to have the Holy Ghost, but it's better to have the Holy Ghost have you. When the Holy Ghost has you, it means you're completely surrendered to be under His direction, desire, by surrender. And it's that through that surrender that you feel inclined to do what God speaks to you. You want to know how to hear the voice of God? Be tender towards God. You want to know how to be to hear God speak to you, to somebody else, this is where Paul, this is why, remember this, God moves through love. This is why Paul, when he spoke to the Corinthian church, they, he was saying, Does, not everybody flows in the same gift. Read the scripture. Start with verse 12, chapter 12. Look at the latter verse of that. He said, but, he said not everybody operates in the same gifts, but let me show you a more excellent way. And then he goes to verse 13, the most recited chapter in weddings around the world. He said, through love, you can see things move and God can choose any gift because you're tender towards him and you can handle those things. And it's by having a tender heart for love believes all things. Love rejoices in truth. See, love, faith is, faith is good, it's necessary, but you know, faith stems from love. Because love believes all things. That's faith. Love rejoices in truth, only truth. What's right, what's righteous in the eyes of God. It doesn't vaunt of itself. Or it's not puffed up, heady, and high-minded. It doesn't, doesn't take the glory for anything, but wants to give God the glory, wants to see God move, wants to see God's purpose. You want to be successful in life? Take your career, take your talent, take all of your 
your know-hows and tie it to the kingdom of God and do it for God's glory and you'll see God begin to use it. That's the secret. You want to excel in your finance in every area? Give your heart to God and really fall in love with Jesus and not don't play church anymore. No, really, really, I'm not just saying it to be rude, but I'm saying you have to live it. You have to be able to love it. You have to be able to go through it, and you can't blame God for the bad things in your life, but you got to give God praise in all things, no matter what happens. That's why David never lost the battle. That's why David never lost the battle. He said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. No matter what happens, David always won because he had a praise in his mouth. And praise is bragging on God. Praise is bragging on God when things aren't going right. Only love can do that. Only gratitude can do that. Only a relationship with him can do that. It's God's identity, folks. Paul said, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. Stop trying to figure it out. It's not going to be charisma. It's not going to be your, 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 your scholarly talent. That's why Paul said, I didn't come with you with excellent words of men's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit. But love is God's identity. It's his motive also. Love, it's God's identity and his motive. A love for humanity comes from a love of God, which stems from a love for Jesus. And if you really want to know what defeated hell in the days of Jesus Christ, it was the love of God that defeated it. I want to read you something right here. And, and, and remember this, unless Jesus had loved the Father, he couldn't have defeated Satan. Unless Jesus had a love for the Father, he couldn't have defeated Satan. Keep that scripture up there. John chapter 4, here we go. John chapter 14, verse 28 to 30, it says this. You have heard me say to you, he's speaking to the disciples, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you would rejoice because I said, I am going to the Father, for my Father is greater than I. You know why the Father was greater than he was in that moment? And the, and the actual, when you look at the actual governing factor of the kingdom and how God flows and how God works, God is a God of order. Unless Jesus had ascended up on high and went to the Father, you and I would have never had a chance. And when Jesus was gone and he came and left the earth, there was no more representative or a son of God in the earth. When Jesus ascended, there was no more representative of the kingdom like there was Jesus on the earth anymore. But what was in Christ, the anointing and the spirit that was in him was God. And that was the part of God that needed to go through the process called, the weary process called humanity. And that portion of God that was in Christ emphatically in the scripture it says God was manifested in human flesh. God 
He was preached among the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. And that same God who came down to earth, went through hell on earth, then to hell, came out of hell, into heaven, was now in a position to give out what he had on the inside. Was now, that was God's way of saying, what I gave you now because you came back up to me and it was my spirit in you, now I'm going to give it to everyone else and they're going to be just like you. So Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. And Jesus had to go if you and I were going to be saved and filled with authority, power, gifts. To see God move. Thank you. Thank you. To see God move. Watch this. And so the scripture says, 29, verse 29, and now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. I no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming and he has nothing in me. That's what I like to hear right there. He has nothing in me. He was talking about Satan, and he said, don't worry, he's coming. I got to go. But don't worry, Satan has nothing in me, therefore he cannot touch me because I'm not giving him a place in my life. Because where do you see Jesus fighting those kind of battles? All, on the, all in the New Testament. One of the first one was pride. The first thing that Jesus had to go through was the testing of his identity and his pride and his ego. After he was baptized, he was filled with the Spirit, the Scripture says, with the anointing and the commission of God. And he walked into the wilderness and walked in for 40 days and 40 nights. And Satan took him up to a high mountain, let him overlook the earth, and said, if you'll bow down and worship me, I'll give you everything. And he said, get behind me, Satan. Get behind me. That was the test. It was proven. See, he couldn't touch me because he had nothing in me. It wasn't there. He was looking for greed, but greed wasn't there. He was looking for ego, but ego wasn't there. He said, if you'll jump off and jump off the cliff and maybe the angels will catch you if it's you dash your foot against a stone. And he said, it's written, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. And he told him, I ain't got to prove nothing to you. I don't have to prove nothing to you. You can provoke me all you want to, but it's not coming out of me. All that matters is, is me pleasing him. That's a test. Satan had nothing in him. Nothing in him. All these things were proven. He could have justified himself in front of the whole Sanhedrin. They called him the king of kings and said, you're the Messiah. He could have said some things. He responded to Pilate and told Pilate, eventually, you say that I am. And he said, you would have no power over me unless it was given to you from above. So at any moment, I could call angels, legions of angels to come and defend me and fight for me. But guess what? I ain't got to do all that to prove myself. That was temptation, being provoked. It was moments like that that caused the gifts of the Spirit to flow through his life still and sustain him. That's why, that's exactly why Paul said, if you do all these things, he said, I can give my body to be burned. 
I can, I can give everything I've got to the poor. But if you ain't got love, it's like, it's like a tingle, it's like a, a symbol, and it's like, it just like for nothing, a brass. And it profits you nothing. But if you're going to come out ahead, you've got to have a right spirit inside of you because the right spirit won't inflate your ego and the right spirit won't let you fall into temptation and the right spirit will keep your motives pure and your motives right because God cares more about your spirit. And that's why God said, when you come across somebody, they do you wrong, turn the cheek. Turn the other cheek. And after that second time, don't worry about it. I'll give them a slap myself. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. My attitude belongs to me. <laughs> it's not my battle. The battle belongs to Jesus. I let him take care. Jesus, take care of my lightweight, Lord. Just take care of the heavyweights too. I mean, you understand what I'm talking about. Pray for your enemy, he said. Why in the world would I pray for my enemy? Because God cannot change the heart of your enemy if you've got a bad attitude because God's going to flow through you to change them. Love is the greatest weapon you can have, folks. It's the love of God that causes the praise to come out of your mouth during tough times. And it's that praise and that word of God coming out of you that lets angels respond to it. We talked about this last week. We talked about how you can get angels off your sidelines in the game by letting praise come out of your mouth. You want to see your angels work that God's given you? Start to get your spirit right. Get a prayer life. Get a relationship and start speaking this word instead of speaking the reports, speaking the problem, speaking everything that has been going wrong in your life. I'm telling you, God will make a way. You want to blow somebody's mind? Give God praise when things aren't going good. You want to make the devil hair lip? Why don't you do this? Why don't you praise God when he brings something bad your way? When people talk, I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, I'm not speaking just by out of fantasy. I'm speaking from experience, not things I've imagined. I'm telling you that God will come through for you. And if you keep the love of God in your life, hell cannot stand it at all. Hell can't stand it. You see, when you love God more through your problem, hell says, hmm, that ain't working. You know, it's the local. He just, nothing's changing. <laughs> nothing's changing in stuff. Stuff. <laughs> I've said this before, but you do know that when hell messes with you or anybody messes with you and, and then you start drawing closer to God, eventually they're going to stop doing what they're doing because it doesn't work. When a man's ways please the Lord, the Bible says, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. We just need to have a little talk with Jesus. We just need to tell him all about our troubles. He will hear our angels cry. He will answer by and by. Hmm. He will take care of us. He will see us through. Why are the gifts so strange in this world? Because we're estranged from the love of God. Why aren't we seeing God's works? Let's not just say gifts. Let's say the works of God in our lives. Maybe it's because in America we have too many options. 
We've had missionaries come to this church, and I've asked them one question. I ask every one of them mostly this question. I ask them, what is it, what amazes you in America compared to where you're from? Some have been from India, Africa. One person said, you know, I said, what do you miss the most? He said, I miss ice. That was someone from Zambia. Someone from Zambia said, man, I, the first thing I look for when I get here is ice. I just want some ice in my water. I want some good taste of water. Another missionary told me one time, and said, I, I said, what, what amazes you about America? He got, they said, you know, we're amazed at all the food. Listen, start down the Vero. You can have, I'm going to give a plug in from Mumford's, but you can have a bar, you can some barbecue at Mumford's. Go up the road. You can have some pizza. You can have some seafood. You can have some fish sticks. You can get a hamburger across the street. You can get a sandwich right next door. You can go a little bit further, get some Thai food. You can go get some Americanized Chinese food. I ain't stupid. They're not, they don't even eat their own food, I'm just saying. <laughs> And forgive me if you're an owner of a Chinese restaurant. <laughs> I love your food. So, choices, options. Too many pills, not enough gospel. Too many, and I, and I, hold on a second, I, but I know it's necessary. Medication's necessary and all these. I, I understand. I thank God for every doctor. I do. Without doctors and God raising up doctors and physicians, we honestly, we'd all be in trouble, folks. I thank God for that. But there's every once in a while, we get a report that even the doctors say, you've got just a short amount of time. That's when we jump into gear and say, you know what, Lord? I think I'll start trusting you now. And that's what God specializes in, impossible situations. For God, all things are possible. With men, we see limitations. But God, hmm, start believing in God and some strange things will start happening all around you. Somebody's going to get healed. I'm just saying somebody can get healed. Somebody can get delivered. Somebody can get set free. You've tried everything else in your life. You might as well try Jesus. That's all I'm saying. You might as well start trusting in him. You might as well start walking with him. You might as well start believing that love is the greatest thing that you could ever have faith in. Love. Watch this. I close with this scripture. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13 says this. 1 Corinthians 13 and 13 says, Now abide faith, hope, and love. Now abide faith, hope, and love. Hope is good. Faith is good. But you see, faith, anybody can have faith. You have faith right now. You don't, you don't even, you're not even trying to believe right now, but you believe that chair is going to hold you up. Right? How many of you have been having second thoughts throughout the whole service thinking, oh my God, hope this chair don't let loose on me now. That's an image you don't want to remember. But you have faith and you're relaxed, right? 
You have faith that you're going to have the, the next breath. You didn't even think about it. You have faith. Breathing. I don't see anybody suffering from anxiety thinking to themselves, I wonder if my next breath is going to be my last breath. Faith is in operation all the time. You can have faith and still have a bad attitude or a wrong spirit. Hope is great. Hope gets you through moments that are hopeless without any kind of answer. Hope is something you need to get you through your valley and to get you through your problems. Hope is good, but hope is only limited to get you through a problem, not just to a problem. Hope is good, but love, and love is the greatest of all these right here, it says. Love is the greatest in this scripture. Throw it back up there, please. Love is the greatest. The greatest of these is love. Because you see, love is where everything else stems from. You can go through something in your life and still have a love for God in your heart. And you believe all things because faith is tied to it. You can have the love of God in your heart and to sustain you through every good report and you won't ever, ever be distracted by bad reports. You can live in that place. But when you've got that kind of an attitude and that kind of a spirit, you're driven. You are driven. And that's exactly what drove Jesus. He said, Satan hath nothing in me, but I have come to do one thing, the will of my Father. Whatever the Lord told me to do, that, whatever the Father told me to do, I'm going to do. And that's what drove him. Nothing else mattered. God cares about you. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to live a good life. He wants your business to succeed. He wants your family to do well. He wants your children to excel. He wants everything good for your family. I do believe God wants you to drive a nice car, at least a working car with air conditioning, that's for sure. I do believe that. It's hell to have no air conditions. I wasn't cussing, but I was speaking Spanish. I said, air conditions. <laughs> you ever add an S to the back of your words? Oh, you, you, you're half white, half Mexican. Okay, that doesn't. All Latinos, never mind. There's something about knowing that Jesus loves me. There's something about it. I'm here because I love God, and I love you because God loves me. If he hadn't loved me first, I would have never loved you, but I thank God he touched me. He touched me. What I'm trying to tell you today is, is that hell wants you to stop working for God. Hell's tried, this is what the Lord spoke to me before I walked out into the sanctuary. He told me to tell somebody, hell has been trying to stop God from working in your life by taking your love for him. But he told me to tell you, return back to your first love and you'll see God work again. I said all that to say that one thing. I said all of that just to say that one statement. Hell in the world and your people that you consider friends or co-workers or whatever it may be, who's ever in, whoever is in your life, life will try to rob you of your love for God and you'll stop seeing God work. If you want to see God begin to work again, fall in love 
with Jesus every day. If you loved him yesterday, that doesn't count. I hate to tell you. Let's get over that right now. Let me help you right now. You loved him. You can't live off last year's love. Last year is gone. You can't say, I used to love God. You see, let me tell you something. How many of you love him right now? Say, I love you, Jesus. Gone. You loved him two seconds ago, but now you still love him now. See, yesterday's love don't count as much as right now's love does. Don't live life in yesteryear. Because listen, yesteryear can't help you. It's now that makes all the difference in the world. Right now. <laughs> right now, love. Right now. Would you close your eyes just for a moment and just begin to think of the goodness of God? You know what that means? That simply means think about how God's been so merciful to you and your family. Think about how God has just had his hand around you even when you thought he wasn't there. I promise you it's there. Even when you don't feel him, you don't have to feel him to know that he's with you. He is with you. He loves you. He loves you so much. <laughs> Hallelujah. I want to fall in love with him again. I loved him yesterday, but I want to love him more today. I want to love him more right now. Love lasts and endures forever, but all I'm telling you is, is that you can you can you can watch it fade away at times. It doesn't love it doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. Or love you even more. There's nothing you can do right now to make him love you more than he loves you right now. Do you understand that? There's nothing you can do right now to make God love you more than he loves you now. There's nothing wrong with God's love meter, but there is something that can happen to ours. And until you start believing that falling in love with Jesus is the best thing that's ever happened to you, you're going to miss this whole the whole reason of why we're even living for him <laughs> falling in love with Jesus falling in love with Jesus falling in
further, I want everyone to bow their head and close their eyes. If you're in this building and you need to surrender to him again, or you need to surrender him for the first time, if you need to give your life to the Lord right now and you feel compelled to do so, I want you, as every head is bowed, every eye closed, would you just raise your hand up in the air? We want to pray with you. We're all going to pray. We're not, no one's going to lay hands on you. No one's going to do anything crazy. But raise your hand if you need to give your life to the Lord right now. Got a few hands up. I want us to pray this together as a church family. Church family, will you pray this with us? And I want you to pray this prayer. And I want you to pray it even in your own way. This is more or less just like training wheels to get into the presence of God. But you express yourself from the heart. God sees the heart. So let's pray this together. Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Forgive me of my sins. I'm sorry, Lord, for doing it my way. Forgive me for my ego. Forgive me for taking all the credit. Forgive me for being selfish. Forgive me for every sin in my life. And I thank you, Lord, for that right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. I, can, I know I can do all things through you who strengthens me. Amen. Now give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.